0: RAT! ROT! Cast world, this is Mike, and I am here with Corey and Stephen as we look at previously on Lost episode number. Man, my notes closed, guys. Can you believe that? It doesn't.
1: Forty-five. Oh, okay. good.
0: I had a very big question mark in my mind as to what this episode was, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't. No, we are talking. This is episode forty-five. We're talking about question mark tonight. Uh, I love the title of the episode. It's just. Punctuation's great just wonderful that's either that's either uh really smart writing for the episode or we ran out of show titles for right now let's just throw a question mark and somebody forgot to erase it and put something down <laughs> so uh but uh but again I, hey i'm mike and uh Corey, how are you man
1: i'm good man very good i i uh love this simple title here of question mark Uh, except for if you're trying to google it it's a pain in the butt because doing like lost question mark or question mark doesn't matter where you put it the algorithm on google is to think you're asking a question and not looking up this this episode so uh uh yeah
0: with my search history it should be pretty easy to figure out what i'm asking for when i say question mark but not to google so yeah (laughs) well steven man how are you all the way in 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 somewhere on an island
2: <laughs> oh i'm doing good here trying to survive the uh the rolling blackouts that uh that we got going on here but i think we're doing pretty good right now
0: good good hey listen last time i predicted your your, your chiefs are gonna win man i'm sorry at of time and uh I was, I was pulling for you, man. Hey, at least I'm not drunk on a boat throwing a, throwing a Lombardi trophy <laughs> to another boat tonight. And I'm recording <laughs> the
2: loss. <laughs> yeah, I think, we're, I think we're all doing better than Tom Brady was as he uh, stepped off that boat. He, he looked oh, like he was, he was struggling.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Tom Brady like that. But hey, you know, it is what it is. So this isn't sports, though. <laughs> We are, uh, we're talking some Lost and some exciting parts of this episode. So we'll get into all that here in just a second. Uh, but first, let me just talk a little bit about this episode, kind of give you what happened last time, and uh, we'll go from there. So we have been on the island for between 64 to 65 days, and uh, Stephen, take it away with what happened previously on Lost.
2: All right, previously on Lost, a lockdown process occurs in the Hatch causing the blast doors to drop, one crushing Locke's legs. Locke orders Henry to push the button on the blast door jamming Locke's legs, a hidden map appears after ultraviolet lights turn on. Henry tells Locke he never entered the numbers or pressed the button and nothing happened. Hurley plans to take Libby on a picnic. Sawyer finds that his gun is missing and realizes Ana Lucia took it, and Michael offers to kill Henry for Ana Lucia. But instead, he kills her and Libby, then frames Henry. Mm.
0: Boom, boom, boom. This is uh, Season 2, Episode 19, Fast Approaching the End of the um, of the Season. This was recorded or aired on May 10, 2006, directed by Duran Ser- Seraphian. It was written by the one and only David Lindelof, Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. Um, this episode is after Echo begins to experience unusual dreams, he realizes that he must have John take him to the question mark shown on the blast door map that he saw at the hatch. The rest of the survivors must come to terms with what just transpired and try to ease the suffering of a mortally wounded Libby.
1: Oh, poor Libby. Poor Libby. Okay, I have some episode facts for you guys. Straight facts here. After the scene where Locke and Echo watch the orientation video from the Pearl Station of the Dharma Initiative, a gag commercial is included in the next actual commercial break. So they're saying on TV. Um, And this commercial... Uh, sings the praises of the Hanzo Foundation, which sharp-eyed viewers would recognize as being the copyright holders from the Dharma Initiative tape. This commercial included a website and a toll-free telephone number at the end, um, Uh, wwwsublimonal 1877 handsorg Uh, basically, viewers who called the number uh, were treated to an interactive presentation wherein they could listen to the voicemail messages of senior executives with the Hanzo Foundation. And when the phone call was hacked by a mysterious woman called uh, Paris Phone, they could obtain a password. And then with, with the password, when visiting the website, viewers could play an interactive game which eventually unlocked access to the Hanzo Foundation's homepage. Uh, and if they tried to, to sign up for the Hanzo newsletter on the site, the site would be hacked again by a Paris phone who would ask for the password, um, blah, blah, blah. You sign in with the password in the secret anti-Hanzo news and messages Um so uh, from Paris, Paris phone, uh, whoever that is. So very interesting. Wow. Uh, long, a in, lot of information about uh, that interactive game, which I think uh, Stephen may know a little bit about um, from experience, right? Um, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think it was a- after season two that they did the full, um, you know, lost alternative reality game. I think it was between two and three where you really you got some kind of big answers, like the. The, the what the meaning of the numbers was um but even these things they did these sometimes where they they'd put out yeah commercial or or little advertisements that would let you go kind of dig deeper if you wanted to you obviously didn't have to to understand the show but if you really were getting into it this was you know kind of one of the first shows that really you know took internet fandom and and kind of you know made it a thing so if you really wanted to dig into it they give you these little things you could you could do kind of like all the books in the show you know gave you stuff to go really dig into and that, that was one of the things that kind of you know separated Lost from some of the other stuff out there.
1: Yeah, yeah this whole idea is pretty cool I mean this is what you would really call multimedia you know you're, you're using different mediums to uh, tell the same story so that's, that's pretty cool. And we also have another fact here. Pierre Chang, who gave the name Dr. Marvin Candle in the Swan orientation film, calls himself Dr. Mark Wickman in the Pearl video. And his left arm is no longer a prosthetic arm, which suggests that uh, this orientation film was made before the other film in the episode orientation. So this is and then this is going to be in con- confirmed in He's Our You as Rydzinski is making a model of the swan and is surprised by uh, Saeed's knowledge of it, even though he shows little interest in his knowledge of the pearl um, and its purpose. So yeah. just to confirm swan was. Um, wait, did I get that wrong? Uh, the pearl is first. Yeah, the pearl is first and then the swan. Yeah, yeah so
0: okay all right well let's talk a little bit about this episode then um there was a lot of key episode moments and storylines going through this episode um probably you know the there's well there's really only two big storylines going through this episode one of them deals with echo and john and the other one deals with um the hatch and and that area so how about we start with any of our moments that pertain to the John and Locke storyline and uh, not, not John and Locke, but echo and Locke <laughs> storyline. And let's, uh l- 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 let's talk about this storyline real quick. What, what, a, um, I, I personally, I like the fact that we got another hatch and we got more in depth of a hatch rather than, Oh, Hey, this is our medical, Dharma station. This is this is a more interactive one. This is not the last time we're gonna see this one, this pearl, and um, it's a very it's a very it's a very interesting uh, hatch in there. What, what did you guys think of it?
1: Yeah, this is a cool station. Like, I mean, to be totally honest, I feel like I've always been a little bit lower on this episode than like the general kind of reception of it like i think a lot of people think this is like a really good episode and it it is a good episode but i don't think i'm as like as into this hatch i do think it's cool and i think they try to present it in a different way but if i were to like rank the dharma stations i think my this uh pearl would be you know obviously swan is up there orchid you know even the uh hydra so, I think this is below those, but it's definitely very interesting in that you're it's weird and it's confusing. <laughs> well,
2: so. Yeah, I, I think just the concept of you know, this being a psychological experiment masquerading as you are observing a psychological experiment kind of thing, which, you know, we actually, we, we're we going to learn that pretty soon hereafter, that, you know, that this, what, this station was actually the, um, you know, the psychological experiment. But just, I mean, when you really put yourself in Locke's position, you know, he spent the whole first season, you know, trying to get into to their hatch. And he has thought that this... You know, this button um, was the, you know, he was his destiny and he slowly started, you know, he, he's been on kind of a, you know, a crisis of faith with the island for a little while. And, and this here, you know, just really, you know, is his split finally from the button, you know, it, 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 we obviously are going to get the, the big lock breakdown after he watches that video. Um, so I think what they did with this station was neat. Obviously, the the thought that, you know, somebody has been watching our people the whole time, whether, you know, and maybe the question of whether they have or they haven't, because everything in here looks, you know, a little dusty, like it hasn't been used in a little while. So it's like, have people been watching our people? You know, you see the cameras, they can see it. But, you know, it raises the question of whether they actually have been watching them or not, which would, you know lead to a whole lot of other problems
0: we'll see I, I thought the same thing too I thought maybe that the others would use the pearl to spy on those in the Swan but the only issue that I have with that the only thing I could see is that the plane was still right where it was there was a lot of dirt it took him forever to, to, to get the latch open you know echo had to beat the latch. So it looked like it had definitely not been used in a long time. Um, that was that would be why I wouldn't think they would be using that station.
1: yeah, that's good point though we um, we we do know that Ben and Juliet were down there at one point. I don't know the timeline on that though uh if that was i wanna say in it's supposed it, to be earlier though right yeah
2: Yeah, before he's captured yeah it was before he was captured but since our losties crashed on the island so you know they've been in there sometime in the last you know 64 days or wherever we're at
0: but was it before the plane fell with boone
2: it it must have been right
0: i think it was before the plane fell
2: that that would make sense yeah yeah that would make sense
0: but in this in this hatch, though, we have we, we, we have a few things. You know, you mentioned the television, so we have the monitors where, obviously, Locke sees you know Jack walking back and forth, and they don't know he he doesn't know he's being monitored. Um, and then obviously we're gonna find something else it's about another station here soon um, that's being monitored in there as well. Um, you have the air tube, which of course we're gonna find that out in a later season where all the notebooks are going. Uh, of course, then that that was a really big mystery. Um, people didn't know where they're to. Um, we have the orientation. We have another orientation video with Dr. Mark Wickman, um, and then we have the, the 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 kind of the big thing, the print log. So we have this this log of uh, uh, of course lock hits yes to print. And look at it; it's just a bunch of numbers. Like nobody knows what these numbers are. Do you all remember? The fandom going nuts when they saw all these numbers on here, and trying to figure out what the numbers meant on this paper.
1: You know, I personally don't remember that because I started uh, later, in, in around season three. So, Stephen,
2: do you do you remember? Mm-hmm. I yeah, I I don't particularly remember that because I don't know. My understanding is that not just like a running count of how many times they enter the number. I kind of always, I I took it as kind of like the iterations of Rousseau's message. How, you know, is just an ongoing count? I kind of always took it as, you know, this is how many times they've entered the numbers.
0: It was, it was the date and time the numbers were pushed into the system from the Swan station. So, what we're gonna find out later on is remember as they're going through it. I think Echo's the one who because he's, he's he takes it back with him. I think Echo's the one to figure it out that these are dates and times. But look, the day that we crashed, there's no there's there's no entry, or the in or 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 there, there's a late entry. If I remember that correctly, um,
1: yeah on it, yeah we'll find that all on um. In the finale, see um, what's it called? Man, of, I know. Uh, live together, uh, die alone.
0: Together, yeah. die alone.
1: Yeah, th- that basically Desmond reveals that's when he went out and he killed. Uh, what's his face? Um, Kelvin. Kelvin. Yeah. And Kelvin. so he was late. Get, he was late getting back to press the button, and so it it uh, went to the hieroglyphic hieroglyphics, and you know, past that, I guess, or enough that it. Crash the plane. So, I mean, this is arguably the most important uh, piece of paper <laughs> in all of Lost. Right. <laughs> uh, ends up being super significant to the, to this reveal in season two, but also to, like, if you're going to just summarize Lost in, like, two sentences, like, this piece of paper is pretty important to that summary, knowing that the swan is what crashed the plane.
0: So. Now... Now by the way, remember <laughs> remember that um uh uh Nikki Nikki and Paulo came across this uh this station as well at one time.
1: Yeah, so I actually looked that looked up what we were um, referencing.
0: Yeah, there you go. I that's what I was yeah. doing too. Check that out. Yeah. And
1: so on day forty nine uh is when we see uh, juliet and ben uh, in the pearl and it's because it's the Nikki and paulo paulo episode and they basically go down there and they whatever they're, they're spying on them so on day 49 ben and juliet were were here and then they pushed the they pushed the plane back on top is what they said happens so and then ben is captured like In day 58, 50, late, I don't know, something like that, it says. So this is like 10 days before he's captured. Um, That's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Now, um, go ahead.
2: Now, I know that our hatch, you know, the entrance to the pearl looks like the entrance to the swan with the long ladder. Um, But obviously the the Swan has another door into it. And I don't know that we, if we ever find out if this one has another entrance or if you have to climb down that ladder. I mean, it looks like a much smaller station, obviously than the Swan, but I don't know if there was any other way into this other than that, you know, long ladder entrance.
1: Oh, well, you could always take the uh, pneumatic tubes.
2: <laughs> I guess it, I don't know what it is. I I just always enjoy a pneumatic tube, it, whatever the case may be. It, it pre, you know, I've worked jobs with them. I'm always fascinated when I go to the, the pharmacy and get my, you know, get a get a medicine. They send it through the tube. I don't Something about pneumonic tubes are just cool. And it's very fascinating, it, it, very
1: satisfying to
2: use. It is, and and then you know they add the the element of the little uh the composition notebooks and who do, who didn't use composition notebooks in high school you know it just it gives you I don't know a bit of a nostalgic feeling when you're down in in this hatch with the old style TVs yeah um, it's just it is it's kind of a cool set I don't know it is it would it have is. to be really it would I mean it would have to be a really boring job to just sit there and write down what other people are doing, you know, that, that part doesn't sound real great, but
1: yeah, there, there is some intrigue for how simple this is. They do a good job of making it just so kind of weird and unsettling. It, it's, it's really pulled off. Well, I mean, for me, one of the things with this episode is I have just always been a lock, you know, stand just hardcore defender. And, uh, This is like as you see Locke go kind of like a a darker period here. And I mean, not that Locke doesn't do other things, questionable things throughout the whole series. No, no, not not Locke. uh, Well, he really loses his faith. And so it's hard to like as a fan of Locke, it's harder to watch him in this kind of like uh, set of episodes. But I found myself enjoying appreciating it a little bit more because I was just kind of focusing in on... uh, Terry Quinn's performance and he he gives such a good performance of the the guy who just is so stubborn he's gonna he refuses to believe something even if it's right in front of his face and it's hard to watch in some way but to see Echo kind of say the same type of things to him that he would have said to someone else he may have said to Boone or someone else and, to Locke, and for Locke to look at him with almost contempt, like, how dare you say, like, the stuff that I used to say. And, like, "I no, I don't believe that. No, like, I, and, uh, you know, Echo is telling him, like, how could you not think this is, there's a purpose to this? My brother crashed on this very plane, or on this island, this very island, and his plane is on top of this spot, and you know he's trying to connect all these things and Locke is saying just it's just one big joke. So it's frustrating if you love Locke, but you have to appreciate like what where this character is going and like the way Terry Quinn portrays him and of course like all good characters need to have their ups and downs. They have to be dynamic. They can't just be the same all the time. That's just not a right. real person.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree. I think I think this was a this was a, a a growing pain for Locke that I think he really needed in his character on the island. he He had to at one point or another, anybody that's got faith or anybody that's got a strong belief in something will stop at one moment and really question, why do I really believe this? Do I really believe it? And I think this was Locke's moment in this episode was, all right, so we pushed the button, and now I'm seeing—I'm sitting here looking at these monitors, and we've just been watched. I mean, and so does—does does it really matter if we push the button or not? Of course, we know what's going to happen in a couple episodes. When Desmond comes back, we're going to find it out. But yeah, it did matter apparently because when you don't press the button, we know what happens when you don't press the button. <laughs> um, but I—I I, I do agree with you. I think—I think, but I do think this was a growing pain for Locke, and I think he needed it. So.
2: I also I, I really enjoyed you know, along the same mm-hmm. lines some of the conversations that happened before. you ever followed a dream? And and we know if, if any I mean Locke did literally the exact same thing with Boone. You know he had a dream that led him to the plane, and now he's following someone else because of a dream. And it's the you know, the, the layers there of, you know, where Locke is now versus where he was, w- was really interesting. Um, and obviously he reflects back a little bit on, you know, when, when Echo asked what made the plane fall and, and he said, Boone, Boone made it fall. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then he says that that line, he said so many times, you know, a sacrifice that the island demanded. But he almost says it in a, you know, like a disgusted manner. You yeah. know, Like, I can't I can't believe I believe that you know it's
1: exactly how he says it and it's it's weird i mean it's it's almost chilling to hear him say these type of things in such disbelief and he's looking it's like he's looking back at himself and he's like who was that person and it's sad right right
0: so speaking of echo uh what if what about echo's backstory um that we get or the flashbacks we get in this in this episode um I liked how how the cardinal came up to him and and asked him to be the one because he can always spot a liar. It's almost as if the guy knew that this guy was not a real priest.
1: Yeah, he knows that Echo is more skeptical, and he he's gonna he's gonna be hard to convince of this miracle, which is which is good. I mean, I think that's what you want to uh, how you want to approach something like this and you know, we're dealing with a uh, interesting mix of themes in this episode in this kind of sequence of episodes here where it's about losing faith and echo, you know, his, his journey in, in faith is really, you know, up and down and interesting throughout the series. And echo is kind of like taking up the mantle and accepting a duty, um, in the, in the present time. And then in this, this backstory, you're dealing with, uh, faith in like do you do you accept things on un- questioning or do you question them and and uh you know i think in a lot of cases it's important to question things and that makes your understanding more solid and uh yeah it's it's it is kind of it's a it's a um very unique flashback but it's kind of interesting it's uh going down the rabbit hole of of investigating a miracle is not something I would have expected on Lost, but we get it here.
0: Well, it, it, okay. So you mentioned something and I'll kind of just go off of it real quick. This episode carries the idea of an this episode we had back quite a while ago, man of science, man of faith. We have Locke was the man of faith. And of course, Jack was the man of science. But uh-huh. now what we see is you have Locke as the man of science, He's looking at the monitors. He sees that he sees that this is a, just a big science experiment. And then you have the man of faith, which the man of faith is Echo, of course, and he's having faith that the pushing the butt is real. But then also you have this story of faith back in the flashbacks of science and faith intermingled. You have you have this this lady who who it's a miracle, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, and Echo's like. Yo, know, I want the scientific facts that this thing was real. Of course, we you know he goes to he goes to you know the morgue, and he hears. By the way, that 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 video or that audio tape. If I had heard that mess, <laughs> <laughs> I would have quit my job doing that. I wouldn't done it again. That thing was yeah. creepy and scary. I would have destroyed it in the fire. It would have been gone. Um, but he is looking for scientific evidence. That this actually happened, and um, and then of course it gets mixed in with faith when the girl comes and meets him at the airport right before he goes and says, "Hey, Yemi said, you know, Yemi wanted to talk to you, you know, that kind of thing." So it's a it's a man of science, man of faith kind of uh, dynamic in this episode as well.
1: Yeah, and it it puts Echo in an interesting position here, and we can we it, we've said it you know 20 times this season it is it is somewhat difficult to watch or frustrating to watch thinking about the what could have been because they're this if you knew that your 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 character only had there's only going to be two more like character focused episodes would would this be this the story that they go in on i'm not sure it is it's like it's very simple and bizarre and it's not bad. Uh, but when you watch this, you, you know, it, it feels like they go in and just like kind of like go for this like nuanced little story here. And we're digging deep into like Echo and who he is. And we're going to like learn, learn more. And it just, it seems like the way they play it is that they're setting up for so much more to be discovered about him as a character. And they're setting up him taking over the button and all this stuff and we just we know that it doesn't really um get paid off so that's that's unfortunate so i like i can't help but think about that stuff as i watch this episode a little bit yeah
2: well well, yeah I, i i definitely agree i mean i i've said all along what my you know my biggest lost regret is that we didn't get more echo and you know what story did they have planned for him so i mean i couldn't agree more on that um but what i did kind of enjoy about this one though is that we got some answers or possibly more questions about you know an interesting story from season 1 you know uh, the claire psychic episode was you know was a really interesting story in season 1 you know like did this psychic you know was did he actually see something was did someone, you know, pay him off or whatever? So we've only seen, you know, Richard Malkin once before, but it was in a very interesting way. And now we get, you know, some answers there, possibly, you know. It's like, he you know, he says he exploits, you know, he, he searches for information and exploits it as a psychic. He's a fraud. So, I mean, it, they kind of give us that answer, but at the same time, you know, it leaves you saying... Okay, well then the things he told her got her to the island. So who was working with him, you know, who paid him or worked with him to get Claire on that plane and we never do get those answers. But I think you tying in Richard Malkin in, in an episode where you you didn't see that one coming at all, you know, that this psychic was going to be back. It's you know on a, as part of a Mr. Echo investigating a possible miracle i thought that was really kind of an interesting way to to play this backstory
1: yeah i thought that was cool like there's some there's definitely some x-files-esque feeling to this episode it's kind of fun seeing echo doing his investigation you know talking to the coroner uh and then talking to malkin malkin or whatever but it does leave us with such a mystery i can't i couldn't maybe i missed something what is the deal with the girl at the end? Like she comes well, and she tells uh, Echo she, that she had a dream about Yemi and that he has to get on the plane.
2: Well, she didn't say it was a dream. She said it was when she was between places.
1: Oh, that's right. So yeah, that not a dream.
2: That, that, that leaves you with the question of, you know, was this actually a mirror? Did she actually die, you know, and come back? Or, you know, or, you know, was she just, you know, hypothermic as her dad predicted and they pronounced her dead too soon? I mean, we obviously never get those answers, but, you know, I think we're supposed to be led to believe that, you know, she actually was dead and, and really did see Yimmy. And, she was dead you know, obviously church. every everything Yimmy, you know, told her um, was true, you know, that you know he would see Mr. you know Mr. Echo would see him again soon um so i mean i i really like that scene there um you know obviously kind of shook Mr. Echo to his core you know he gets real serious <laughs> you know you you know choose your words wisely but um i i enjoyed that and it, it kind of can explain a little bit more why Mr. Echo does have the faith that he has on the island you know this current mr echo we're dealing with on island
0: hmm. maybe she was sitting in the church waiting to move on too and that's where she <laughs> met yemi
1: <laughs>
0: oh
1: yeah but echo spoiler there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh i i i enjoyed the backstory i thought there was some I felt like I personally, though, did feel like the psychic, uh, you know, route was a little unnecessary as a connection to the girl. Um, I think there could have been another way to connect this girl to to Echo. Um, I just I didn't. I don't know. Um, I just felt like there could have been something else, whether she showed up in the confessional. And sort of talk to the Echo in the conventional booth or, or whatnot. I just, I didn't, I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it felt like it tried to connect too hard. And it didn't need to. But that's just me.
2: Well, I, I think that this was during a time in Lost where they were really trying to play up the fact that all of these characters' lives are intertwined. Um, I mean, I feel like that was one of the big themes of season two on the season two DVD. We get the little place where you can go and you can click on each character and it, see how they're connected to each other. So I feel like at this at this point in Lost, I think they were going out of their way to show kind of like, you know, when when Sawyer you know, runs into uh, the door of Christian, the last episode. Um, you know, just all these characters are just tied in, in, in little ways or in big ways, and I feel like uh, that's kind of where they were going with that. Okay.
0: So, I think we've kind of hit as much of Echo and Locke as we possibly could. Um, so, if nobody else has anything else to talk about, let's just talk about the big elephant in the room, um, the whole Hatch storyline with Libby and Hurley and... And Jack and Kate and Sawyer and and all these people. Um, I mean, where where do we want to start on this? I mean, it's do we want to start on Michael? I mean, how mortified his look is when he when he sees that Libby. Just so there's a there's a couple of scenes with, with Michael that kind of creep me out. One of them is like, was he listening outside the station? so that when he heard them coming he could just kind of like run out of the hatch um, and act like he was shot for number one number number two was when, when Libby coughed up all that blood and got it all over Sawyer and Sawyer just kind of like jumps back and um and Michael's just kind of like oh crap she's still alive and <laughs> and then and, and then of course you know we she she says the name Michael, nobody knows what's going on, and she, she's just aghast when 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 Jack tells her, you know, he don't worry, he made it, he's okay. She's like, No, no, she was trying to tell him no, it's that's not it. And and then you have that really eerie look on Michael at the end of the episode. Like, whew, I'm safe.
2: Well that 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 scene at the end where Michael was standing in the armory, that's the one that they had showed on the previous, like the, the the preview for the next episode, right after Michael had shot him. You know, it showed that scene of him, you know, just kind of standing there in his sling, at, you know, at, in the armory. And that, and that was really kind of a haunting way to leave off the le- last episode. And then we, you know, we get to see it at the end of this episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think some of these moments are hard. To play. I mean, when you think about it, you have somebody who's been part of your main cast, who's a good guy. And now he's murdered these people in cold blood. And you're playing it the way the, the filmmakers are playing is that they is that uh, we know the audience knows this information, but every but the characters don't. And so it's this weird thing where he's just portrayed. And he's like, well, we. We're we're getting his perspective because we know that he knows this, and we so we can sympathize like his situation. But we don't. But he's also like he just murdered them. So it's it's just a hard like line to walk. And I think they do fine for this episode. But it is like what we really need is the next episode, the three minutes. Like once you get the Michael backstory, it like you understand everything a little bit more.
0: Yo, and that. Could go, I'm just, just, I was just gonna say, in that line where Hurley is is sitting on the couch and Michael's standing right there and says, you know, we were gonna have our first date today, you know, it's gonna be a picnic, and that like gut punch look on Michael's face, like,
2: mm. yeah, it's so <laughs> and, uncomfortable. It's like and, no, and, Gosh. and not e- not even the that they were gonna have their first date, but the fact that he says, you know, I'm glad you're okay, the, you know, even in his yes. grief. He's able to tell Michael, you know, hey, I'm I'm glad you're okay. I mean, the what Michael has to be feeling at that point is just... I mean, he's got to feel horrible.
0: You know, and, and kind of like you said, we're going to find out next episode kind of why he's doing what he's doing. But it... Oh, man, it's such a hard... I don't want to ask the question, even this episode or next one, would you do what he did to get back what he lost? Because... That's a tough question, and he really was going to put it in a very tough spot. But obviously, we know Libby was an accident. He wasn't supposed to shoot Libby. And I think I think if he could have gotten there and not killed either of them, I think he would have done that. If he could have walked out without killing anybody.
2: Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think we, we can probably get into that, you know, more maybe next episode. But, I, I mean, I definitely agree. I, I've had a lot of complaints about... How Michael, you know, given what, given the task the others sent him with, the way he went about accomplishing it, uh, I got some major, major uh, complaints there. Yeah. Yeah. So the,
1: it, it's a tough, um, it's it's awkward situation. And they, they really play up the drama. You know, of course, it's going to be, you know, more dramatic if Libby is still alive for a while, you know, she... <laughs> Michael, you know, of course it, it's, it's good. Um, but there's another purpose served by having Libby stay alive for a while, at least, um, in the, as far as story wise, so that Jack can force Sawyer's hand and get the guns back and get to his stash because Libby is so uncomfortable, and in such pain that they they want to give her the heroin. Finally, the heroin has use <laughs> a, a good use in, right. in lost to help you know numb the pain. And so he knows that uh, if Jack goes, he's just you know they're gonna send someone. Or he'll follow him to the stash. So Kate goes, and we finally get the funny reveal that the whole time it was just you know in his tent under where he slept, where they could have found it at any moment. But also very but safe.
0: It it was, and it was a good it was a good hiding place for it. The, the the one thing I will say though is Jack was very sneaky and dirty in this episode. Like he he, <laughs> he knew that the only thing to make Libby comfortable would have been the heroine. But the only way he was gonna let Sawyer go get the heroine was if Kate went so Jack could find out where the stash was. So he seemed like he was using Libby's life just to find out where the stash was. It was kind of dirty.
1: Yeah, a little leverage there. He's just, he's killing two birds with one stone. Wow, okay. Really oh, wow. oh, wow. Oh, it whoa,
2: whoa. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I... I got to say, though, I mean, I feel like for mo- half of this season, you know, we've been on really a positive Jack stretch where Jack is really kind of, you know, been going against Sawyer and Jack's kind of been coming out looking like the better guy. And I feel like yeah. this this does give you a little twist back to where, you know, Sawyer comes across really good this episode. You know, he realizes he's going to, you know, that he's going to have to, you know, give up his stash. And he does it anyway, you know, and really without question. Um, So, you know, you still see that that deep down, you know, he is a good guy. He's not going to let this person suffer, you know, just to to keep his guns. And I I think this is a really good look for Sawyer, you know, then when we see him at the end comforting Cade. And this is a good Sawyer episode.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. So he showed his sensitive side at the end.
1: Yeah, and um, there's not a whole—I mean, I guess, yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit, Mike. It's sad seeing Hurley's reaction. I think they, did a, they made a good um, choice, creative choice, by having Kate—having the wide shot, and Kate just walks up and, and talks to Hurley, and we don't actually hear what she says, but you can just tell by the performances— And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, just thinking about it, it's really sad. So,
2: you know, I I mean, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. As you say, it's such a, it's kind of a lighthearted scene, you know, where they go, you know, Sawyer and Kate go into the tent and, you know, they're kind of, you know, going back and forth. And it's a bit of a lighthearted scene there in the tent. And then you come out and then you you forgot about Hurley. You know, it's like, you, you know, Hurley was still waiting for Libby you know to bring back the blankets and and you and it, it it gives you kind of a gut punch as a as a viewer that oh god Hurley doesn't know yet and i and mean Sawyer's
0: <laughs> Sawyer's face was every person that was watching <laughs> the episode like oh crap yeah
2: absolutely <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean just the face turned away so but yeah you, you know this episode to me is probably one of the most emotional episodes in in the entire show because you have an emotional high of Locke and Echo finding a new you know station. Your excitement, there's adrenaline, there's wonder, adventure, and on the flip side you have the other extreme of death and and sorrow and then it's it, so it's like it, it's like damon lindelof and carlton q said hey we're gonna toy with the emotions of the viewers here we're gonna send them on a high and then bring them back down to a low <laughs> then put them back up high again and bring them i mean it is wanted to me one of the most back and forth emotional episodes um in the entire in, in, in the entire show so
1: well it does have the of you know very fitting life and death theme that they play I, I don't remember whose theme that originally was um was it claire i don't know um I know i'm not getting it wrong but it's the it's the, we, yeah it's called the life and death theme and it was originally in like one of the character episodes but it becomes kind of the song they play whenever somebody dies or if there's a super emotional scene, you know, da 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 da. da. Yeah, that maybe one. Apollo. So uh, <laughs> oh, maybe not when they, every, any, when anybody else dies except for them. Okay,
0: okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> or Steve. <laughs> yeah, so
1: when Libby finally Stop. dies, you know, they give her the heroin and she has a moment with Hurley. And then she passes, and uh, the music plays there. And of course, they don't just end it with that. They have to flip it back on Michael and have the overdramatic wails of the horn or whatever. So, but yeah, it, it is very sad when she dies. And it's just, it's like I said, you you do have a lot of feelings, and, and there's confusion. Like, what does all this mean? I think in some ways, people were. At least I felt felt this way. Were let down by not that it was like a bad choice, but I think people were let down by the question mark and what it ended up being. I think you know when you had that map, you know from lockdown, everybody built it up as some crazy thing, and they kind of went for like a more unexpected, uh, you know, choice, and it's you know below the plane where we've already been. Um, I mean, I think it's it's a cool thing now, but I, I do think that uh, in some ways people could have been let down by that a little bit.
0: But but I I think the question mark was more than just where the where, where the hatch was. though. I think it was, you know, where is Henry? You know, why does Libby have to die when she's just a nice person? You know, what really happened when Mike was here? How did Henry get out? You know, there's, there's so many questions themselves in this episode. I think an appropriate thing was, why? And I think that, 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 the, that the question mark was a great title because it was, there are so many question marks going on in our heads, you know, whether from, from emotional issues we're dealing with on there or from just the literal question mark on the ground.
1: Oh, yeah. I, yeah, you're right with the title. But I do think, you know, people who are looking forward to what is the question mark that's on the, you know, the little map that Locke drew. Um, it, you know, this it, it's a really good episode. It is somewhat of a transitional episode, though, because it's kind of like the bridge between what happened in the, you know, the big ending of Two for the Road and in setting up what is going to be you know, the, uh, kind of final, the finale, which Michael's episode is also kind of a setup for the finale. So this is like, as soon as, as soon as, uh, Ben escapes, like that is kind of the beginning of the final run here of season two. It's all kind of more or less has one momentum.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, anything else from you guys? about
2: this episode I mean, we, 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 uh, I w- one just little thing I noticed I thought was kind of fun is when uh, you know when they go to camp when they're on their way to the question mark and you know when Locke asks what next echo says they're gonna wait for further instructions and obviously you know uh, there's gonna be a, a further instructions episode you know that's a, a lock episode that kind of deals with dreams and sweat lodges and, and such. So I solar bears. Yeah, I thought, I thought the fact that they said, you know, they're wait for further instructions was was kind of just funny.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good good reference. And I think they deliberately, you know, named that episode based on that line. Uh, unfortunately it's kind of a lackluster. <laughs> worst worst lock episode in my opinion. Easily. <laughs> But that's that's because they're all so good but. Yeah. <laughs> besides that
0: alright well that's been the uh, the episode so let's kind of head toward the end then I guess um, in memoriam obviously um, today we, we, we lost Libby uh, so we, we are definitely sad to see Libby go not as sad as Hurley but we are sad uh, to see <laughs> Libby all oh, that sounded terrible uh, we are sad to see Libby go so we won't we won't see her again as far as a main cast um, anymore in the show so in memoriam we give a moment to Libby here so Steven how are we raising this thing
1: rest in peace Libby and just remember everyone
0: don't forget y- your blankets
1: don't forget them but if you do it's not the end of the world just have the picnic without them okay? that's right <laughs> Don't go back.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, it's such like a, br- it's such a brutal. It's kind of like a sick way to have someone's death set up. Like, oh, they forgot the picnic blanket. Like, couldn't they make it like a more important thing? So like, it felt like she died for a, like a reason. Is like, she's like trying to like get to something important? You know, <laughs> I don't know, like doing a significant plot thing, but instead it's so it, inconsequential. <laughs>
2: But yes. it, it was it was in such a way that it just it made it even more heartbreaking for Hurley because you know he, he was the reason she was there to get the blankets and man when he's just crying about you know uh, I'm sorry I forgot the blankets that that was that was tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. All right, well let's go ahead and rate this thing. Uh let's rate it from 1 to 23. Um, we're gonna rate on Mister Echo headbutts. Um, yeah, those, those are hard. <laughs> when, when you're being di- when you're being difficult, you know that there's a Mister Echo headbutt coming. So, Mike, how many uh, how many headbutts would you give this episode?
0: You know, I'm gonna get, be, It's an emotional episode. It kind of brings every emotion. It brings wonder. It brings sadness. It brings joy. It brings anger. Um, it it, it it brings out everything. Uh, and I think Little Off and Q's were phenomenal at writing this this episode in the way they wanted it set up. So, um, personally, to me, I give it 20 out of 23. Uh, Mr. Echo Headbutts.
2: All right, Corey, how about you? How many uh, headbutts would you give this one?
1: Um, I'm just a little bit lower, I'm gonna go 19 out of 23 Echo Headbutts. Yeah this episode has just never been one that like I am particularly drawn to even though I like Echo and Lock like I said it just feels kind of transition like and it's just um I think there's a lot of good things that happen it's just there's just something that doesn't work as well for me but still good like I admit it's good it's just not great in my opinion mm-hmm. Okay
2: All right Steven. and I, I gave it twenty one out of twenty three headbutts. Um, I think I'm always pretty high on Mister Echo backstory, just because I like Mister Echo so much. But I, I will say that I probably the reason I didn't even rate it a little bit higher was the placement, because I do remember when watching it, I was you know a little disappointed in the aftermath of you know Michael shooting that it, that it didn't you know. The, the next episode kind of fixes it. We get the answers we wanted. This episode, next episode, but I do think the placement here would be the only thing holding me back a little bit. But so twenty one out of twenty three. I just I love Mister Echo, and I, I did really enjoy the uh, the the Richard Malkin psychic tie in there. All oh right, God. so we got it ranked. Sweet. Now let's go to some ending discussion. Uh, Mike, take it away.
0: All right, so we don't really have very many unanswered questions. Actually, we don't really have any in this one that we're that we're not gonna find out. Um, but we do have some some Sawyer's name dictionary. Have you noticed that when Sawyer has having an extremely emotional episode, that his that 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 the nicknames just just flow out like a waterfall? And, yes. <laughs> uh, so boy did they this time. So he calls Locke Gimpy McCrutch uh let's see he calls jack daniel boone jacko and of course the famous doc he calls ana lucia little amiga he calls ben the artist formerly known as henry gale
2: <laughs> that's the best one. <laughs> yes that is that is one of his better nicknames that's a yes yeah.
0: <laughs> and we had another freckle count. We wouldn't. We uh, he 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 said, "Come on, freckles!" When he was going out of the hatch. So we're moving up to thirteen times now. He has called freckles or Kate freckles. We always know in season three that number is going to skyrocket a little bit once we start getting into season three. So wow. keep that in mind. So pop culture connections. Uh. <laughs> prince is actually referenced in this one sawyer calls ben the artist formerly known as henry gale it's a variation on one of the many nicknames of prince um
2: and th- this episode is titled uh just question mark and prince you know also went by a bit of a symbol himself we don't need words to name things mm.
0: And uh, the last thing we got is Daniel Boone. Sawyer calls Jack Daniel Boone after the American Pioneer and Hunter whose frontier exploits made him the, one of the first folk heroes of the United States. And the hunting party, it was Locke who called Daniel who was who was called Daniel Boone by Sawyer.
1: Yeah, come so, on, mix geez. it up. You're recycling names now. Sawyer, oh, what about Davy Crockett? You know, no love for Davy Crockett.
0: No no no, 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 no love for Davy Crockett.
1: I feel like uh, Jack could could be Daniel Boone and Locke maybe is a little more Davy Crockett, I would make.
0: Yes. Yeah. Perfect.
1: King of the Wild Frontier.
0: Oh, my goodness, that show.
1: So. Okay, All right, so what, that's what, it. What, what's
0: next, Corey?
1: What's next? It's uh, not a symbol, but there's a number involved. Uh, three minutes, that's our next episode Steven was talking about it, I was talking about it We are really excited to watch this episode We've been discussing Michael's arc all season long It's been one of the most important threads From the very first episode When we have the aftermath of the raft To uh, where we are now in the season So we finally get to get started uh, you know, kind of the, the, the whole background information in there. And we'll decide after three minutes, like, does this, does it justify the whole arc? Does it hold up? Like, how do we feel about Michael's character transformation? And uh, it's it's a really interesting episode heading into the finale. So I'm excited to discuss that one. Different format. You know, the flashbacks are, or I think it's like a counter day by day. It's one of those very unique um kind of like when we had the
0: other the the other 48 days back earlier season two
1: it's kind of similar to that similar to um what's the the one where Locke and and sawyer um the uh when they're on the black rock and they uh kill uh the, what's his face the,
2: the brig the brig
1: that's it oh brig. i was trying to, i was thinking the bridge i'm like that's not right you said killed i'm
0: like arts you got some arts on you like, i don't know
1: it's like i didn't know if i should like spoil i mean that's we don't really worry about spoilers on this <laughs> show never no. mind no,
0: we we tried not. We, we tried to avoid spoilers yeah. but that, that, that we couldn't do that long
1: similar oh. pacing to the brig i think as far as like how they do it so
0: all right well, uh, in closing, guys, you can follow us on uh, on the on Twitter. We're at Rod Richards at, at Lost Rewatch Pod as well. Um, on Instagram, we're at Previously on Lost Podcast. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com/slash Previously on Lost. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the DC Mike. Uh, Corey, where can we find you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, you guys can find me at Original Mav.
0: All right, and Stephen, where can we find you on Twitter?
2: I am at Lucky13Steve on Twitter.
0: All right. And you can talk more about this episode with us uh, on uh, the RetroZap Discord if you want to join us in there. Uh, next next time we record, we're going to talk a little bit about what our plans for the finale and after that are going to be. Um, so keep that in mind and because uh, we're going to need some, some of your feedback. So we hope to hear you all uh, from you guys soon. But until next time, check out RetroZap.com and uh, for everything you may possibly need regarding the network. So this has been previously on lost episode number 45. Thank you so much for coming and we'll see you next time.
1: Peace out guys.
2: Have a good one.